On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy people, this is PNW Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. For each episode, we do a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on the topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous cases such as the misdeeds of Boeing, as well as lesser known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 as well as our spooky stories from Pike Place and Raven's Manor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Have Have a a creepy-ass day! Hello, and welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And wouldn't you know it, it's that time of year again. Halloween is the perfect time for a killer to hide among the innocent and slowly slip away into the night. Halloween has always been the perfect day to scare or be scared. But most people like us take it for what it is, an opportunity to be someone else for a day. A chance to let the creative part of your imagination come out and play. Unfortunately, many people have taken this in the most literal sense of the expression. Some might use this opportunity to blend in with the crowd of avid Halloween celebrators and seek out their victims for the fun of it, while some take this as a chance to unleash terror on people that had the misfortune of crossing their path. The situation for the Liskey family was no different as they met their demise in the most horrifying way possible on Halloween, October 31st, 2010, in Martin, Ohio, which is near Toledo. Is it me or does a lot of shit go down in Ohio? Apparently it does. We're finding that out. I guess so. I always thought of Ohio as my happy place because of all the good food that we get to eat when we go up there. Right. It's our home. And it's not that huge. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. Yeah, clearly. But this is close to Toledo, not Cincinnati. Right. So let's get into the story, shall we? Let's do it. Susan and William Liskey got married in 2001, blending themselves and their children together. While Susan had two sons from her previous marriage named Devin and Derek, Bill, as we will call him, had one son named William Jr., but everyone called him BJ. Susan's sons developed a good relationship with Bill as far as stepfather and stepsons go. 
However, the same could not be said of BJ extending this courtesy to Susan as his stepmother. As a result, their family constantly struggled with the idea of a healthy unity, ending up in positions where Bill was torn, choosing between his loyalty towards his new wife and his son. But he tried to promote peace until he took his last breath. October 31st, 2010 was a typical day for 16-year-old Devin Griffin, Susan's youngest son, as he returned home from singing at church after spending the night at his biological father's house. Hoping to unwind a bit, Devin didn't really notice his surroundings as he made his way towards his bedroom to indulge in a few hours of playing video games. However, halfway into the game, he started to realize the house was too quiet for this time of the day. No one was bustling around the house as usual, it seemed odd. Considering it was Halloween, he expected everyone to be prancing with excitement and trying to get everything ready for that night. A little confused and curious, Devin made his way to his parents' first floor bedroom, thinking he would wake them from their sleep. Seeing them both with their red quilts over their heads and his mom's foot hanging out of the covers, Devin started speaking to them, hoping to wake them up. He got no response. His panic started mounting as he went to Susan's side of the bed and shook her. No response. Was this a Halloween prank? He pulled the blanket off of her and Bill, and the last thing he remembered was all the blood before he screamed and ran out of his house while calling his aunt for help. I would imagine that calling 911 as a teenager would be totally intimidating. So I assume that's why Devin looked to his aunt or an adult for guidance. That's completely understandable to me. His aunt frantically made the call to 911. After the police arrived at the home, they went right into crime scene mode. Upon observation, they concluded that 53-year-old Bill Liskey had been shot in the head and face five times while 46-year-old Susan Liskey had been sexually assaulted before she was shot in the head three times at a very close range. The sight was unbelievably brutal to witness for young Devin. The police moved to Derek's bedroom on the second floor, which Devin didn't even check after the shock and dismay of seeing his mom and stepdad soaked in blood. Strangely, The door to Derek's upstairs bedroom had been locked from the inside. The police broke it down and saw Derek curled up on his bed, with his back facing them and his face towards the wall. He, too, was brutally murdered, but in a totally different manner. Derek's autopsy revealed he died from blunt force trauma to his head, a death that came as fast as it could before 23-year-old Derek could feel more of the pain that had been inflicted on him. In a matter of a few hours, Devin had lost all of his family without a reason. His brother's death also came as a blow while he was still reeling from the scene of his mother and stepfather. Detectives discovered rather quickly who could be behind this massacre. After gathering evidence and noting how the scene showed no signs of a struggle, They deemed that it could only be an inside job. 
The evidence indicated a claw hammer, which later was found to have Derek's blood on it, as well as muddy footsteps near the family's deck, pointed to the perpetrator leaving the crime scene. Although Devin could easily have been a suspect, when questioned, the neighbors claimed to hear what sounded like gunshots around 6 a.m. when Devin was with his father. His background showed no red flags for being capable of something like this either. However, there was one family member who did fly a red flag. When the police looked into Bill's son, 24-year-old BJ's history, he had quite the criminal record. In 2002, BJ had threatened to harm himself after a fallout with his father. In 2004, he argued with Susan and punched her in the chest. He had hit Susan with a coffee mug just two months after that incident, before running away with her car keys. Police charged BJ with felonious assault and robbery. He was found incompetent to stand trial, and those charges were eventually dropped. BJ Liskey had at least three encounters with police after he moved to a Sandusky group home for mental health patients. Among those incidents was a physical fight between BJ and his dad after Bill picked him up from the group home. Not long after that, he had also attacked his stepmother in the shower. His aggression towards her grew more over the years. BJ reasoned that he didn't like the authority his stepmother tried to exert over the household. After every act of aggression, BJ was either hauled away by the cops or his father and sometimes wore an ankle bracelet for a period of time. Bill had been making an effort to reinstate his relationship with BJ. BJ was his son, and he loved him, irregardless of his aggressive and violent behavior. Unconditional love. Despite the fights, Bill Liskey never gave up on his son. In February of 2006, he filed for guardianship over BJ. According to court records, the 18-year-old had been hospitalized in 2007 for schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. Bill wanted to protect BJ and to get him the help that he needed. When BJ was on his medication, he did really well. After a while, though, he would stop taking it because he thought, I'm okay now, and started drinking and smoking pot to self-medicate. A friend said he had serious talks with Bill on a few occasions about the family's safety being jeopardized by BJ. Neighbors suspected BJ of killing and torturing their pets. A dog had been shot twice with 22 caliber bullets. But Bill Liskey would tell his friends and neighbors that, nah, BJ won't hurt us. The friend said it was a hard conversation to have because BJ was Bill's only son and Bill would never admit to all the bad things, even though Bill had received physical injuries from BJ. Hmm. Sounds like enabling enmeshment. Oh, yes. A week before his murder, Bill had taken BJ on vacation with him on a deer hunting retreat to the family's hunting cabin in Carroll County, Ohio. Everything seemed to be going smoothly, and both BJ and Bill made it back home to Ottawa County, Ohio, safe and sound, which was only 24 hours before the murders. On the night they returned, 
Bill and BJ drank beers with some friends, with Bill allowing BJ to stay on the couch for the night instead of driving him back to Sandusky. A friend who was at the get-together told investigators everyone had a good time, and they left the Liskey household around midnight. He didn't see Derek, but that was not unusual because he and BJ did not get along. BJ rarely spent the night at the house because of past violent fights between him and the rest of the family. Well, BJ took this opportunity to brutally kill his father, stepmother, and stepbrother without ever giving a motive or reason. Brutal. After the murders, police apprehended BJ in the same cabin he had just stayed in while he vacationed with his father. Let's get a quick word from our sponsor before diving into the investigation. We'll be right back. Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. Now back to the show. According to phone records, Derek Griffin last spoke to someone at 2.02 p.m. on October 30th. His brother Devin, who spent the weekend with his dad, came home briefly at about 9.30 a.m. on October 31st to change his shirt for church. He told investigators he encountered only BJ when he came home the first time that morning. He quickly changed and left in about five minutes. BJ uncharacteristically asked him what he was doing and how long he'd be gone. Devin had been spared. Devin said that he couldn't think of anything else that was said, but stated that BJ was acting happier than his usual, normally gloomy self. Devin said he was more upbeat and talkative than his normally slow and darkish demeanor. So after Devin left the house for church that morning, with his whole family murdered inside, BJ took the family's Ford F-150 and drove it back to the hunting cabin in Carroll County to hide out. He was there less than an hour when Carroll County Sheriff's deputies descended upon the camp and took him right into custody. Back in Ottawa County, Authorities discovered the full extent of the grisly crime scene. Devin's aunt, Lori Morse, had called them to the rural home that sits on about 100 acres. She headed to the house to find out what was going on 
and to console her nephew after making the 911 call. The weapon and other evidence from around the home were sent to the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Identification and Investigation for forensic testing. Devin told investigators the family owned lots of guns, many of which authorities seized for testing. They also found muddy footprints along a deck near the family's pond, suggesting the suspect may have disposed of the murder weapon in that pond. Authorities drained the pond but found no gun. Weapon-sniffing dogs tracked much of the property and found nothing. When detectives from the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office went to the Carroll County cabin to look for evidence, they only found an uneaten Subway sandwich on the counter, which turned out to be evidence. BJ apparently didn't have time to eat before deputies burst into the cabin. The detectives obtained security video from a Subway restaurant near the camp, showing BJ purchasing the sandwich. So at the end of the day, BJ pleaded guilty, allowing the death penalty to be taken off the table and was sentenced to three counts of life in prison without parole. At the age of 29, William B.J. Jr. Liskey was found dead in his prison cell on March 31, 2011 at the Ross Correctional Institution in Chillicothe, Ohio, from a self-inflicted injury. Before his sentencing in September of 2011, B.J. apologized for killing his father, stepmother, and stepbrother, blaming mental illness and Satan for his actions. What a shame. While Devin said it was very difficult for him for a while, he remains positive. He went on to graduate high school and married his high school sweetheart, who had actually met his mom and family the prior year, so that was kind of cool. And now they have a son. And the detective, Detective George Byington from the sheriff's office, still keeps up with him and even attended his wedding at the farm. Devin says that he does not hold resentment or hate for his own well-being. What an upstanding guy. Absolutely. And that's a wrap. That was a quick case today. It wasn't a whodunit. It was a, an open and shut. Still a tragedy, nonetheless. Absolutely. I still have some questions, though. Mm-hmm. For example, I wonder why Devin was spared. He, he wasn't there, I understand, because he was with his biological father. But he did return to the home after everyone else had been murdered. So why was he? I mean, I'm glad he was not murdered, but I just wonder why. Right. Maybe because he was still a child. Yeah. Maybe BJ had some kind of conscience in there. Right. I don't know. I would like to know um, more about BJ's mother. I did not find anything in my research. I didn't either. I didn't see anything about her. And I assume Devin still owns the farm, the land up there, which looked pretty. A hundred acres. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, we wish him and his family the best. Yes, we do. So, Amanda, do you have up your Halloween decorations? I got a few things going on. I got my mom's yesterday. I got one pumpkin. 
and I put the fall wreath on the door. That's about it so far. You guys used to have a whole thing going on, almost like a haunted house. Yeah, it's been too busy this year, but usually my husband will do that last minute. It'll happen on the day of Halloween. Well, he works good under pressure because that's been some cool stuff going through that tent and the music and yeah, we do the fog machine. Yeah. The, we light up the house. You can see it from a mile away. Blue lights, red lights, all kinds of cool stuff. Your whole neighborhood does a good job. Yeah. Right. It's the hot spot for Halloween. Well, you know, I've always been kind of a mum and pumpkin person. Of course, we have natural spider webs. That's, we have a lot of those. So that's a lot of decoration. Yeah. That's good enough. Well, we've got stuff in the downstairs storage that I'm sure we'll pull out. Again, day of Halloween. You just never know with us. But we still need to stock up on candy. We spend so much money on candy since our neighborhood is a hot spot for Halloween. And we usually stock up on that on the day of Halloween as well. You just never know. You know how many kids we've had in the past uh, four years or so? Say one or two. Zero. Okay. Except for all of the grandkids. Well, yeah. So guess who gets to eat all the candy? Moi. There you go. <laughs> yep. Got Halloween costume for my daughter. She's going to be Sky from Paw Patrol or else I'm in trouble. Imagine that. Yep. And then we do for Carl, he gets a matching t-shirt. So for example, two years ago, my daughter was a monkey and then Carl had a t-shirt that said, pretend I'm a banana. And then last year, she was a cat, and his t-shirt said, pretend I'm a cat. And you can get these t-shirts off of Amazon. So I'm hoping to have one that says, pretend I'm a Paw Patrol or something. And then once he's done with his Halloween costume, I wash it, and then it's my pajama shirt. So I have all these pajama shirts that say, pretend I'm a whatever. It works out. You need a princess. Pretend I'm a, I'm a princess. For Carl? Oh. He's a king. Oh, that's right. Carl the King. We have to post a picture of Carl, at least. He's a beautiful dog. Yeah. We He's need to get the, um, the Christmas present that I got for my husband last year. Mm -hmm. or maybe no, it was for his birthday, but it's King Carl. He's dressed up as a, as a king. Right. I think you took down like your college certificate that cost, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and put up a picture of your dog. Right. Yeah. I just had front. to adjust. I moved the diploma. It's my diploma, by the way. Move that elsewhere. That's on the second floor now. So that Carl is like the grand entrance to the house. Got it. Yeah. So we'll get a picture of that. Um, One big thing this year. So our house, our neighborhood does a really good job with decorations and, and whatnot. Um, I've seen a lot of people with these skeletons. The skeletons are trending right now mm -hmm. and they're put in different positions. Like I've seen skeletons sitting at a table together that look like they're laughing and they're intoxicated. And one's on the one's on the ground, like reaching up to the table. I've seen some look like they're sneaking out of a second story window. Wow. I know. And there and some of these skeletons are like two stories they're so big i don't even know how they're holding them up i know they're so cool but yeah that's the thing this year yeah so to all of our listeners if you're doing anything cool with your halloween decorations especially skeletons please post it on our socials yeah 
Send us a picture. Let us know because I'm all vanilla over here with Halloween. Yeah. We may or may not be. Well, you know, when you guys were kids, you were like a clown. (laughs) Barbie. Remember Barbie. Barbie. Superman. Things like that. Oh, goodness. Well, I've got, I rotate through a few because I like to dress up too. If I'm going to walk around with my daughter trick-or-treating, then I'm going to dress up. So I've got my Minnie Mouse or my Butterfly, and I just rotate those basically every year. I was talking about this with a friend last night. Um, They're not going to let the kids dress up at elementary school this year. And some parents are upset, but I know when you guys were in school, whether it was in Indianapolis or Cincinnati, it was always a fall festival. There was never Halloween or dressing up, I guess, for religious reasons. But I'm like, wow, they get to dress up. And now there's a concern because of the world the way it is that, you know, people wearing masks and that and coming up to houses, it could be scary. So understandable. The world is shit right now. Right. So everyone, always be aware of your surroundings. Yep, and check for razor blades in your candy. Always. Oh, What about your teenager? Is she going out this year or is she she's too the, old? She's 50-50. Okay. Yeah, we're she's, not sure. She always comes up also last minute with a good wig or costume or something, you know, very creative. Yeah, last year her and her friends did the Monster High people. Mm-hmm. So she was decked out. She was all blue. She, she commits. Right. It might be last minute, but she commits to that costume. All or nothing. All or nothing. Exactly. So that's where we're at. Right now, we just have the one pumpkin and some mums, but it may or may not change over the next few weeks. Just trying to keep it spicy. All right. Well, again, send us your pictures and we'll post a few pictures of our Halloween's past. And we're going to have a good episode next week on Halloween Eve. Yep. So stay tuned for that. And we will see you next Monday for a new episode of Enmeshed. And remember, some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family and step family. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes. You can find us at Enmeshed underscore True Crime Podcast on Instagram, Enmeshed True Crime Podcast on Facebook, or at Enmeshed13 on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also get a behind-the-scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an oh no production.